0: word with our faith and that way it can profit us it will benefit us it won't go empty we won't be passing it by so we thank you lord for the prevailing word that comes with faith in your word for the faith that comes as we hear and as we do your word thank you for all of the blessings and benefits that come through your holy word in jesus name amen 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 Today we're going to talk about uh, how to let love prevail. Let love prevail. I think as believers we know that that's our first commandment is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and our neighbor as ourselves. Loving God and worshiping God are synonymous. That's, that's what that word really means. When, it, when you say you love God, That means that you are a worshiper of God. As you reach out to God, he responds by revealing himself to us. That's always the case. So what that means is that anybody can find God. it's, It's just that simple. It's not that God is not wanting certain people or anything. He doesn't reject anybody. Uh, he's better than a good natural father. A good natural father would never reject his own children, and so God doesn't reject us. Um, but when he receives us as sons and daughters, he expects obedience from us. And I think sometimes that's how people get a little confused about what God's doing and not really understanding his ways and so forth and so on uh, because they, they don't understand the basics about God. And so God wants us to be obedient to his word because it's better for us to obey God. See, the blessings of God come through obeying his law and his word. That's why I went through so much trouble to get the Word back to us, to get relationship and get covenant and get um, contact back with us. And our initial contact always comes through worship. It must come through worship. I think about all the religious churches that I was in before I found the Lord, and I can tell you none of them really worshipped God. If you were in a church where there was a choir... It was more like a form of entertainment. The congregation sat here, the choir was here, and they sang, and you maybe sang a little bit with them, but there was not a lot of activity as far as uh, a worship leader uh, causing people to know that it's okay to stand and lift your hands and how to worship God and how to experience living contact with God. Then when you got a little bit desperate in life and you found God, but, 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 but for real, you know what I mean? And then you were more, I think, more humble and more prone to want to demonstrate your love. See, lifting holy hands is really a demonstration of surrender. It's a demonstration of reaching out to God. And when you're born of His Spirit, that gets to be a little bit easier for you. You know, Now there are people who aren't spirit-filled, there are people who aren't really worshippers of God who will reach out, touch, and they can sense the presence of God and those kinds of things. But for people who are in covenant with God, this act of surrender is really what God put us on the earth for, is to make contact with him through worship. And that's how we demonstrate our love for him. That's the first thing you do to show your love for God. I notice sometimes, you know, when you look out over congregations, it seems men are more reluctant to be demonstrative of their love for God. They'll try to sit on their hands or hide their hands or <laughs> fight their own hands to, to keep that, themselves under control like that. All that is is just a fleshly thing and kind of a, a religious spirit that tells people that, you know, people are going to look at you, they're going to look at you funny and all that kind of stuff. But if you really love God and you really understand the benefits to participate in worshiping God, you'll cast all of that aside. Isn't it funny how that used to be a problem for us and now we've all put it aside and we can freely lift up holy hands. Some people worship, I mean weep in the presence of God. Some people jump around and are really joyful. There's a freedom there when you come into covenant with God when you start to obey him by loving him and putting him first in all things and that first is worship so much beneficial to us i can remember when i was first in spirit filled circles and and i received the baptism of the holy spirit and and i would go in and and pray in tongues and worship God and and things like that and then i would come out of that atmosphere and it was like oh boy if i could just keep that if i could get back if i could just have that all the time you know and that's that longing that hunger for god and then i found out that i could have that in my home i you know and that's when everybody was buying hosanna tapes remember back in the day you had Jeron Canoli, you had everybody that you knew could produce that anointing that made it so easy for you to worship god then you would pray in in the spirit yourself you would sing songs to God these acts are obedience to the first commandment to love God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength don't let anybody rob you of that don't ever put that down don't ever get so sophisticated you know in, in your your life in God that you put your hands down in the sanctuary always have them up stretched out to him Because he is the one, he's your helper. And heaven is where your help comes from. So always stretch yourself out to God. Always let him see you reaching up in submission to him. Hands of surrender is what we we are lifting up. Symbolically, I surrender to you, God. I am worshiping you. I'm obeying what you command me to do. And then God responds to you by filling you up. And putting you in his presence and gathering you up unto himself so that your spirit man can now rejoice. Your spirit man can now be filled. And your spirit man can now appreciate what God is doing. And so God's first act of love toward us is drawing us into the born again experience. He will, John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Only son. Only one just like him. Begotten, not made. We were made. Jesus was begotten. Hmm. How was he begotten? Well, it, the, the Bible says that, that the, the son of God was with him from the beginning. So we can imagine three God's in one person, all on one accord, but three different expressions of who this God is. When husbands and wives get married, their children become an expression of them. You got me? Because they spring forth from you. Well, Jesus, as the word of God, sprang forth from the Father. Just like your words are offsprings of your thoughts you don't say anything that you haven't thought of before even if it slipped out you know how we do you've been thinking it all along you didn't mean to say it then but your words are offspring of your thoughts so you can think of God the Father as a creator the great imagination the one who conceives everything the great mind if you will And then as he expresses what's in his mind, the Son comes forth. The Son Jesus, the expression, he's the express image of the invisible God. The Holy Spirit cooperates by causing the expression that's in God's mind and in his heart To become a reality, to manifest itself so that it can be seen and it can be experienced by people. And so God the Father gave his only begotten son. Jesus was totally different than Adam. Totally different. But Jesus later came and put himself in human flesh to become the last Adam that God would ever have on the earth. So now we can all come to God through Christ being born of his spirit and born into the family of God in a new way. So the the journey of love, I would call it, that we experience down here on earth really begins with our born-again experience. That is when God takes the extreme sacrifice of his son and places him back again into human flesh. But he places him in human flesh in such a way that All people who believe on him can partake of the life of his son. So you have God's life in you by his son. I have it in me by his son. That's why the Bible says there's no male or female in Christ. We're all the same as far as God is concerned. Because spirit in the spirit realm and in the born again spirit realm, there is neither male nor female, just one spirit. Amen. Just one spirit. And so God gave his son. Who is love. God is love. So when the son of God comes to live inside of you. You become filled with God's love. Not just his spirit but his love. And so God's love is totally different than what we know as human love. God's love has no limits. It has no beginning. It has no end. It just is there for for humanity to partake of. And for, for us to draw from when we have needs or, or when there's, uh, something that we desire. God's love is always there for us to nurture us and to help us and to cause us to live the blessed life. So we live a blessed life because we are loved. Huh? You need to know that. That, that, I mean, that'll take care of all this loneliness. That'll take care of all this uh, channel surfing for stuff you're not supposed to watch and, and, you know, bimbos, you know, you keep trying to run into and God didn't already close the door on that life for you. It'll take care of all of that when you understand that, that God, you are loved by God and that no matter what happens, you got to know that the blessed life comes because He loves you. Hmm? That is why He blesses you because He loves you. You know, we're so quick to say, well, I don't deserve anything. Well, I don't know if deserve really has anything to do with it. Could you imagine being in a a human relationship and have to deserve everything that your spouse, uh, deserve went out the window, you know, after, I mean, come on now. Y'all can play them games when you only married a year or two. But after year two, three, and four, deserve goes totally out the window. Now, if you're still playing that game, I'm going to tell you, you're going to lose every single time. Yeah, I see people as if, well, uh, 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 I'm thinking about separating. Unless you're going to bake a cake. When we talk about eggs, it's a joke. You can exhale. You see, everybody started holding their breath. Now they wonder what's coming next. I'm thinking about separating. Well, the Bible says that the two have become one flesh. How are you going? That's right. That's right. That's right. It's a mystery. The reason it's a mystery to us is not to God because he did it. He makes two one. You can't undo it because you didn't do it the first time. Right. So my suggestion to you is to go to God. I tell people, separating. I say, how long have you been married? You ain't you ain't been married long enough to be mad at nobody. <laughs> I mean, not in a permanent fashion. All right, but you know, newlyweds, they watch each other. He nice to me and be nice to him. He do this for me and will do this for him. I mean, yeah, she better come in there with them pots rattling when she hear my key in the door. The boy going to keep going. He going to eat someplace else tonight. Uh-huh. after about two years, that goes out the window. Because you can't keep up with who messed up the last time, and you messed up so bad you thought he was going to leave.
1: And he had every right
0: to leave, and he hung in there. And you don't even understand why the brother's still there putting up with your shenanigans. And that's just human love. Huh? Pales in comparison to the love of God. But even with human love, we're not interested in somebody that we have to think about deserving. That just rubs you the wrong way when you think about it. You know, if they they really love you, (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna go there. I go say that. <laughs> I forgot there were gentlemen over in there. Let me let me go over and talk in front. of They keep me honest. See, I go over and talk in front of the gentlemen there. But but you know what I'm saying. You 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 just don't want to feel that your love's on trial all the time. You want somebody who can love you and know you mess up and know it's not permanent and know you're doing the best you can and know you're gonna stick in there and give you a second chance. That's what you want. And see, we have that with God. And so we have to, by all means, let God's love prevail. What do I mean prevail in our lives? If God starts out loving us. We know the love of God. You know the joy of the Lord. All of that comes. All of the fruit of the Spirit come because he loves you. He puts that deposit of love on the inside of you. And that love nurtures you to the point where it feeds you every type of spiritual fruit and feeding that you need just that one deposit of love when you got born again that seed of love came into your spirit and out of that seed if you're depressed will come joy and laughter if you're you're confused and fearful will come peace and, and courage and calmness. It'll take anxiety away. All of that is already deposited in you from you to freely draw from. If you lose direction, he has given you his law and his word to pull you back into the right direction. And so if we let love prevail We'll allow God to draw those things out of us, to help us when we're in difficulty, to pull us over into his embrace so that he can continue to nurture us and we can grow in God's love. See, when you give in to fear or you give in to anger or you give in to to, uh, unforgiveness or something like that, you cease letting God's love prevail. He wants to let it prevail in your life so they can win over everything that's not good for you. Many times what's bad for us we think it's good for us because we've been doing it all of our lives. And so we don't let God's love prevail because we don't really trust that it can do everything that the word says it can do. But that one seed of God's life that comes into you the day you're born again. And then again when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit where your spirit is overwhelmed and running over. With the Holy Spirit so that there's an, an outer, uh, an outer protection of God's love. And the inner workings of the Holy Spirit. When you have the fullness of God. Then you can let God's love prevail in every situation. And you can begin to draw fully from whatever it is that God has inside of you. And let that love work. That love will heal you. That love will preserve you. That love will renew your youth. That love will do everything for you. Because God has positioned it and and put it in us. So that the Bible says living water pours out of us. Not bitter water or brown water. Remember that girl with the brown water slice? <laughs> Muddy water, brown water, whatever What You know, just pure, living water that brings life to other people. Now, that's going to bring death to some things too. The devil don't like it, but, but we ain't talking about him. We're not concerned about him right now. We're concerned about letting that living water bring life to us, and letting the love of God prevail in us, so that we can can just enjoy it. It springs forth. It it rings in us. It helps us. It washes us. Purifies us. Encourages us. If we let it prevail. If if we do that, you know, one of the scriptures that I started holding on to early was you know I was a scripture shopper when I was a new Christian. But I always ask God to renew my youth every day because I was 30 before I got saved. And I felt like I wasted a lot of my life. And when I came alive to the things of God, I felt like, man, waited 30 years. Man, I've been wasting. God, I'm ready to get going. I don't want to miss anything. And so I figured out early that if you're not going to miss anything, you got to have enough energy to get around and do stuff. So I started preparing for, for my age I am now and will be older in the future when I was very young in God, you know, and my mother's people, you know, they tended to kind of get a little sag here and there. I was looking, checking them out at family reading, and I said, well, I'm going to have to get God on this. The girl, the girl ain't going the way of the family in that respect. So, amen. It's funny, though. But in letting God's love prevail, God showed me. He said, "You're gonna to have to walk in love." He said, "I'll just renew your youth, you know, like you order in a facelift or something." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's yeah, right. It's a thing to it. And so, so it's so funny. The other day, I decided to submit myself to the dentist. But now I go to the dental school. I ain't stupid. I, you know, I know how to pray for me, a good student, and they got supervisors, and I've been through that before. I went to school over it case so i know the system so i said i'll get over there go to dental school don't have to pay a lot of money if i get me an average student i'm probably right now i'm praying about the one they assigned to me because he'd have flunked he'd have flunked teeth cleaning once already on me I said, no He can't do that to the kid so anyway, he, he has a supervisor, in there looking at my x-rays, so they're making a plan for, of attack for what they're going to do to fix my mouth. And she says, well, she says, now, I recommend, she said, and, and, of course, your patient's a young woman. And I said, she's a young woman. She could benefit from, and I said, yes, uh-huh, yes, yes. Keep going. Listen to her. Yes, yes, yes. write this down. If you don't straighten me out, I'm going to fire you and get me somebody else. But see, just that quickly, God will confirm to you that he's doing your word because that's where she, I mean, that was my good day. You understand? That's why I looked like the hell on that day. You understand what I'm saying? So I received it as a blessing from God. But you see what I'm saying? God will confirm these things to you that you don't have to, quote, unquote, be your age. Now, I know some people, some saints who are, and they get facelifts. And they're fairly young because they haven't been able to stretch their faith into the realm where God has that for them and they can pull that in for themselves. But also the other thing is that many of them didn't learn how to walk in love and obey that as a command. So to let that love prevail and renew and and get all of those scriptures to be alive to you and to bless your life. See, you have to understand that this is the first pivotal commandment that we have. You've got to keep short accounts with God. You can't let the sun go down on your anger. You've got to call people and make it right with them. When you know that you stepped over the line or you know there's a misunderstanding and they may think you have something against them, the Bible says "You got, God said don't bring me no gift until you come and make it right with your brother. See, that's how important this is to God. And so when love prevails, you'll be able to get, you'll be able to reap a hundredfold off of all of your giving, a hundredfold off of all of your efforts toward God, a hundredfold off of everything just by allowing the fruit of God's love to prevail in you. That you be a tree of the life of God, that you be somebody. That can nurture other people, can help other people. And that they know they can come to you and not be judged. huh? And not be condemned and not be put over in a box or in a corner where you can't get out. Because they put you there. That's not right. And so when we allow God's love to prevail, it has many, many, many benefits for us. You know, the renewing the youth, that's more of a capper thing. That's not on the top of my list. But it comes in handy to help you. When you would get feeble and infirm, then you find that you have a new youth, a new, uh, a new energy. You, your mind thinks like a young person. You know, I have my moments sometimes where I have doubts and I start looking around. And I say, God, we've been here a long time. You know, people, like for instance, you know, you might call a, uh, Company, you know, like, uh, they want to verify who you are, you know, and make a phone call, phone company or cable or somebody. Uh, can I have your birth date? I said, come on now, we were friends. Why you want to go there? You know? I said, when was your grandmother born? And they laugh and they tell me, I said, I'm older than her. Oh, okay, well that's alright, I mean, you know. <laughs> I don't know what to say. But, you know, you, you, you have to, Realize that God has, because you walk in love with Him, He's preserved you. He's done some great things for you, and not just youth by appearance, but youth in your your body cells and your brain cells, and, and the way you move around. All of those things, He has preserved us for this time. We need to know that that the flesh is weak, but God's spirit is strong, and He's strong in us. And we are strong when we carry out God's word, Joel. Uh, Joshua 1.7 tells us that we are to be strong and very courageous. Why courageous? Because the world hates God's word. And so in order to let God's love prevail, you have to be a person of courage and a person of strength. You can't just talk a good game. But you've got to be willing to get out there and back up what you say by demonstrating God's word. And sometimes it might be hard to let love prevail. You might have situations where, you know, it, it, retaliation seems to be pretty imminent or telling somebody off seems to be pretty imminent. But you can let God's love prevail and and see the salvation of God. See him be a peacemaker in your life. See him take somebody that maybe was an enemy and make that person a friend because you decided to walk in love. Walking in love really means just allowing God's love to be a motive in your life. See, it has to be a conscious motive. You have to do this purposely. And you have to make sure that you understand that you're making a conscious choice to love. See, it's different than just going about being nice to people and, and going about your merry way. This one takes purpose. It takes effort. You have to know that this is a choice that you're making to go God's way. Psalm 24.8 tells us that the Lord God is strong and mighty. So love is a strong force. It's not schmoozy and weak and passive, but it's an aggressive force. Compassion is a huge part of love. The Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion and he always healed somebody. I've always loved the healing ministry because it's a strong compassion ministry. and I've always appreciated that about God's love. The word compassion means really to surround someone. And if you were to surround somebody, you would do what to them? Hmm. Yeah, but if you if you physically surrounded someone, what would you do to do that? You would embrace them. Amen. Amen. So God's healing power then surrounds and embraces us and gathers us up. And that's why his healing power can heal any disease. Because if you're surrounded with the arms of God, everything that's not like Him will, will be absorbed by Him. No, no, there's no part of you that's left out of this. So that's why the Bible says He heals all of your diseases. All of your diseases. Amen? And so compassion reaches out and gathers up. Not just to hug, but to heal and to cure. And that's the difference between compassion and mere sympathy. Sometimes when, when people are, are, uh, distressed, you know, you, you maybe will want to hug them. And, and I've found that since I've been saved and especially since I've been anointed, sometimes if somebody is not feeling well, I'll give you an example. Tony's mom lost her best friend, sister-in-law, the first day of the conference. And she came over and she sat beside me. It was good because it was at a time where I could spend some time with her. And she sat and she told me about it. And Tony had let me know earlier, but Mom just felt like she had to tell me. And when she did, I just sat there and hugged her. But at the same time, I felt the power of God come to minister to her. And so until the power of God left, I didn't release her. You understand? So that's a more... Powerful ministry. And, and I'm saying weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn. That's right. But if God can get in there and do something extra in your touch, that's what you want to do. And so that's why you yield to the love of God, you see. Now, if I was the type of minister that came in with... with armor bearers and didn't talk to nobody you miss you understand what i'm saying i mean there's probably a time and a place for that where you can't touch everybody but in these times when you can that's what those things are for so letting the love of god prevail means to let god use you in that way because somebody may need that to take them to the next hour You know, sometimes it'll, you know, their mind will go back to her, they get sad again. But at least she got the touch of God for that period of time. So when you let the love of God prevail, you reach out in a way where you know what God's doing and you know what he has to deposit in that individual. And you allow him to use you until that deposit is made in that person's life. I'm telling you, the body of Christ, we have a lot of power to heal ourselves and to heal one another if we'll let the love of God prevail in that way. Just just allow him to use you and have his way to do the things that he wants to do. You're not on a campaign to get everybody to look to you as the great person who loves everybody. You know, we're not on like a love. And, it, you know, really, when you're a new Christian, sometimes you'll start to get into those things things where your mind gets a little competitive well I want people to come to me why they always go to so and so and such I want that but as soon as you start living for God and you have your challenges and trials that kind of thinking goes way back on the back burner uh, and you're looking for somebody to give you a hug when you come into the sanctuary because <laughs> you've had a rough day and so we have a great uh, capacity in God if we'll let his love prevail we have great capacity to bring healing comfort, encouragement, strength to one another and alleviate suffering off of one another if we'll allow that to happen. So really, strength will prevail over weakness if we walk in love. The flesh, we said, is weak. Just because it screams at us, it doesn't mean your flesh is strong. Huh? Hmm? Your flesh may be crying out for a lot of things that you know you have to deny it, but that doesn't make your flesh stronger than you are. See, people just give in to the screams because they don't like being disturbed, huh? I'm gonna go and feed my flesh this time because you know I, my my stomach is growling, huh? Well, you better learn to let it growl on if you impact on the pounds, you know. I should talk with <laughs> my my perpetual continual diet, but you know I'm working on it. Amen. We're all working on something. but don't think your flesh is stronger than your spirit just because you haven't been putting it in its proper place. Flesh is weak, weaker than your spirit, man. Your spirit is strong. The Bible says you become stronger as you carry out the word of the Lord. As you do what you know God wants you to do, you become stronger in Him. Joel two eleven tells that He is strong who carries out the word of the Lord. We may feel strong when we're flesh, we're in the flesh, but it takes strength, real strength, to to um, I would say restrain yourself. More than anything, not control, but restrain. Once you put on a little bit of restraint, then your spirit man can take over and do the rest of the job. And so it's a wonderful thing to understand the power of God's love to prevail over anything that, that upsets your peace and your comfort. Hmm? Anything that you think is a, a weakness about you, you know, you talk to God about it. And if you commit it to God and let Him Help you with that. Pretty soon that thing is out of the way and you look back and wonder why you let it bother you for so long. I remember my mother was always overweight when we were children growing up and, and, uh, she got older and she had to go on a special diet because her kidneys, you know, started to fail a little bit. And I think the, the severity of that made her think twice about what she ate and all those kinds of things. And, and she got to a point where she said, she said, you know this thing about this food. She said, I've been thinking that was such a hard thing all my life. And she said, I thought about the other day. And she said, I seldom even think about it as a problem anymore. See, it was something the enemy had made big in her mind because it troubled her. See, he'll do that with anything. That's why the Bible tells you to cast your cares upon him because if you cast that care over and say, I'm not going to worry about this. I've got to let God have this and make it a habit of casting cares, then you'll recognize that God has taken that thing and made a very small thing out of it. But once the devil gets a hold of it, it's bigger than you are, bigger than God is. It's the biggest thing in your life. But it's a very small thing to God when he has it because if you roll that over on him, then he's able to handle it and you can walk through life carefree. I'm telling you things are much smaller than they appear because if your focus is on that and that alone, the enemy makes it much bigger than what it is. So we cast our cares on God. His love can prevail in us and we'll know that God is bigger than our troubles, bigger than our problems, bigger than our bills, bigger than our lack of finances, bigger than our history of not being responsible with our finances or whatever it is. But we cast our cares upon him and, and we can carry out his word and that makes us even stronger. God expects us to respond to all situations in love. And, and I mean with love as a motive. Okay, So turn to 1 Corinthians 13. I'll show you a couple things I wanted to show you in that. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about, gives a, a Bible definition of what love is. And it lets you know that you have to, on purpose... Do these things. You have to do them on purpose. So you have to purpose in your heart to love. You have to purpose in your heart to forgive. You have to purpose in your heart to consider that other person more highly than yourself. And that's one of the first aspects of love that we kind of get into as Christians. You know, the first thing I think believers want to start doing is giving. You find that once you're born again, you're not stiff when it comes to reaching out to people. You kind of relax about it. You you want to let people know that you're there for them, etc., etc. So that's one of the first aspects of love that will hit you. And this is why it does, is because the first time you run into the love of God, it's because he gave you something. See, that love is imparted to you. So you automatically receive the spirit of giving because he gave it freely to you. So what has now started to grow in you is the desire to give. People in the world say give back. You know, I've, I'm rich and I've attained to this and now it's time for me to give back, you know. But they don't give back until they've amassed. But we want to give back immediately. Amen. When you, amen, when you get involved with God, It start, you start to get concerned about things that you weren't concerned about before. You see somebody who's homeless and you think to yourself, you know, it, can I do anything for them? Or if you've got extra food in your refrigerator, you, you start thinking, can I do something with this? Why, why do I have so much? And you don't have a lot compared to, now let me tell you what people in the world do. They wait until they've got seven figures before they start to give back. That's true. They don't really get the mentality to be quote-unquote givers until they've amassed enough to take care of themselves forever, the children, the grandchildren, and several generations, and then they get generous. But as believers, we are generous when we have very, very little. In fact, we can be generous and have nothing in our cupboards, not even have enough for the next meal. And if we don't have something material to give, then we want to give our time. How can I help somebody? Somebody's sick and they can't clean their room or something like that. Can I go over and give them a hand right now? And so the first thing that you start to do as a believer because you've received God's love is you start to esteem other people more highly than yourself. It's the truth. It's 100% true because now you're concerned about people that you don't know, people that you might see on television that they're trying to raise money for, you know, for children who are hungry somewhere or something like that. And God wants that love to prevail because even though you may have to withdraw from that situation, not having done what was in your heart to do, that desire to do it never goes away. See, God's more interested In making you aware that there's a desire in you to care for somebody at the expense of yourself. That's what the love of God really does. This business we've been talking about, about prosperity and riches and all, that stuff is so perverted because it doesn't come on top of the love of God. It comes aside from it. So what we've done is we've told a lot of people that in their greed and their lust and carnality, God will prosper them. But God is not going to prosper us unless we can assign our riches the way he assigns them to us. See, there's an assignment on all money. There's an assignment on all wealth. And so if God is going to entrust his children with it, we have to respect the assignment that's on it. When Lester Summerall was 80 years old, God gave him that ministry to feed the hungry. Most of you know this story. And Brother Summerall told God, He says, Well, I'm 80 years old. You know how old I am? And God said, Yeah, you're just old enough where I can begin to trust you. (laughs) And Summerall keeps bugging him and says to him, Well, God, give this to a younger man. Why can't some younger man? He was refusing to do it at first. He said, Why can't he? He says, I gave it to the younger men and they stole the money said they stole the money. You got me? Remember Mary Kay Baxter and her revelation of hell? All the preachers that stole the offerings were in left leg of hell. (laughs) So it's it's not a, a light thing to take this love of God for granted. But if we'll let his love prevail, we'll be more than conscientious with what he puts in our hands. We'll be more than respectful of of it going to the right place. So God expects us to respond to all situations in love. Amen? In love. We should will to consider the other person above ourselves. So that's 1 Corinthians 13 and 5. Number 4 says... Love or charity suffers long. Hmm? Suffers long. Married people need to say amen, but you know, you don't have to say nothing. And is kind while you're suffering long. Huh? That baby ain't making that much noise. Look who's slipping out of here. Newlywed. Well, 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 well. Huh? Suffers long and is kind while doing it. Huh? Does not envy. You don't want to be in the place of another person. When you walk in love, the place where you are, you're content there. You're content there. It does not vaunt itself, not prideful, want to be seen, boasting about itself, and is not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly and seeks not its own will. Is not easily provoked and thinks no evil. Now, in not seeking your own will, we're to seek the will of God. In seeking the will of God, we're to consider that other person before ourselves. Well, how many times do we get in trouble because we're trying to take care of us and the other guy gets slighted? I don't care if it's paying your bills. You overextend you you want to spend your money on what you want to spend it on and it's already not your money. You owe Peter and Paul. Huh? Wow. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm like, well, why I gotta be Peter all the time? How come I can't be Paul? You know, we rob Peter all the time to pay Paul. I wanna be Peter sometime. Well I gotta get robbed every single time. And so if if we we understand that God expects us to be people of integrity, then we will keep our money on assignment and we'll We'll look at those people that we owe and hold them in higher esteem than ourselves. And then you won't take the money for your bills or your rent or whatever it is and spend it on something frivolous because you look at that landlord as somebody that you owe. And God, I thank you that I have a roof over my head. And I thank you that I'm not in the street and I'm not in the cold and I thank you that you have placed money into my hands to make sure my landlord is paid and paid on time in Jesus name. See? But see, when we don't let love prevail in our hearts, we're envious of the land. He don't need this money. Look at him. He got plenty of money. J.C. Penny, they, I mean, I don't even know who that is now about. They mad at them people, you know, went up there and begged for that card. Loved them when they gave you the card. Now it's time to pay up and you can't stand them. Amen. So if you let love prevail, then you will esteem that creditor highly like because he makes it possible for you to have some of the things that you have. You went on a job interview and they remarked at how neatly you were dressed. Jean-Claude Pinay paid for that, honey, because you got the bill in there to show for it. So you ought to be loving him when it's time to pay that bill and esteem him more highly than yourself. But see, it's easy to let the love of God turn cold on us. See? Just stiffen yourself to it and not let him penetrate your heart the way he's supposed to and the way he wants to. So if you have to operate in love with your creditors, Think about what you have to do with people who are close to you. Yeah. Huh? You gotta operate in Mo love. Yeah. Oh, give me a drink of water. I was gonna try to try to do this dry, but I see right now. What you grinning about? Huh? It's okay too. Smile. I give you something to smile about in a minute. Hmm? Now in relationships, especially in relationships, believers and family members. The Bible says that we are to esteem the people of God highly. Uh, the, uh, the household of faith is to be held up in high esteem. So what that means is that if if you have excess you pray about, what to do with excess, and God will oftentimes direct you to bless somebody that belongs to him because he has a covenant with us, and he depends on his people to be able to meet one another's needs. He tells you also that if you're bringing your gift to the altar, and your brother has something against you. And I'm not talking about the brother you like. I'm talking about the one in the church that everybody backbites and whispers about because they don't seem to be nice. You know, that kind of thing. And so, if that person seems to have something against you, the Bible tells you to leave that gift at the altar. Go make it right with that person. God don't want your money. He didn't want to hear from you until you made it right. If you let love prevail, God will show you That most of what we think are earth-shattering, breaches, they don't like us, never did like us, are really misunderstandings. Misunderstandings. And the devil likes to keep confusion in it, to keep distance from people. Because as much as you don't like sister so-and-so because she ain't nice to people. You know she can pray a house down, and she'll pray for anybody, and she'll open her heart to pray for anybody, be consistent about it. So there's something of a gift or an ability that we need in everybody. You could go right down the line to all of them. And you can name something that they have going for them that you wish you had or you could partake. If you could partake of it, it would bless your life tremendously if you could have that thing. And that's why God makes us make things right because he knows that whatever it is that's between you is not bigger than what his son did. It's not bigger than God's love. And if we'll let love prevail, then we will have good relationships with everybody. We'll have reconciliation with everybody. Some people can make you mad, they frustrate you, whatever, but still they're human just like you are. And you can be touched with the feelings of their weaknesses. You know what it's like to be misunderstood. You know what it's like to be new in the things of God. You know what it's like to stumble and make mistakes. We all know what that's like. And so if we would quit being so religious and judgmental toward people, and start being normal and kind, love will prevail. And you'll find that you have a great deal of love, a great deal of respect for that individual. God will help you to be able to understand them, and they understand you. And you'll find that, why in the world did I ever think that person didn't like me, or wasn't kind to me? Because now, the only thing you've done is you've esteemed that person more highly. You let love prevail in your heart, and you're able to see them exactly as God sees them and as the way they really are. You see what I'm saying? Many times we keep people in bondage and isolate them from the love of God. You know, people with bad attitudes need a hug. (laughs) This is true. Uh huh. As prickly as they are. You know, it might... Didn't I hurt you a little bit the first time? <laughs> oh! But, you know, you do it to get used to the little, huh? Get used to the little pricklies. Amen! 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 Amen. Amen. <laughs> so you consider that person above you. See? You, you defer to that person. Cut them some slack. Consider their needs and their comfort and their security. This has nothing to do with taking crap off people. You got me? See, that's a term from the gates of hell. Where the devil will see you trying to obey God. Well, don't be a doormat. huh? Oh, you're far from that. Because you way up there where you are, the floor is down here. So you haughty little self, you're far from being a doormat. You got me? Because right now you're judging that person and saying they're not worth your time. And God's telling you to let love prevail and you'll find out the true worth of that person if you let love prevail. Just esteem that person more highly than you do now. Take them up a few notches and let God show you exactly who they are. See, you have to believe the best about people in order to see them as they really are. You can't stay in the flesh and try to make God convince you that somebody's worthwhile and you're in the flesh. You're in judgment. And when you're judging, the Bible says you will be judged as well. So God will start scrutinizing you. Telling you to shape up here, shape up there, where he used to cut you a little slack and all of a sudden he's not slack no more. huh? So he will do that because what you sow, you reap. And so if you will... Drop your judgment and God show me. Huh? Humble yourself. God, God show me. I just don't seem to get along with that person or maybe they don't like me or I don't like them or whatever. Just God show me. Let love prevail and God will show you and he'll be able to get you to the place where you can believe all things, hope all things. See, you can get involved in prayer with anybody without hesitation, without judging them, wondering what they did wrong, that they're in this mess again. You see me? And so you'll be able to dive in there and start to believe God with, with people for God's best for them because that's what love does. It believes the best for people no matter what their condition is. I remember trying to, to, to be somebody of prayer when I was still carnal in my mind and my mind would always try to figure out what they did wrong. What did they do wrong? What did just an old Pharisee? And then God showed me, He said, you just get in the Spirit. He said, when you get in the Spirit, nobody's wrong. There's no judgment in the Spirit. He said, whatever your faith can, can bring to that person's life, you use your faith to bring a blessing in their life. He said, the reason they're messed up is because they're not blessed. Intercession will bring a blessing into somebody's life if we'll let love prevail. And quit trying to figure out why people don't have some. Why don't you have everything? Huh? Dig yourself. Huh? So when we walk in love, we consider that other person's comfort, their security, their safety. We believe that, they are, that every prophecy that's been spoken over them will come to pass. That they can't hinder God's goodness in their life. That's what love does. It believes all things. It believes the best for everybody. <clears throat> Rejoice is not in iniquity. I've been waiting for them to get what's coming to them. huh? Who's waiting on you to get what's coming to you? Mm -hmm. You don't rejoice in people's misfortune. The Bible says rejoice in truth. Now why does it say iniquity versus truth? Whatever's coming to your way that's bad is really a lie. And it can be removed by the truth at any time. Huh? That's where the the Bible says, don't rejoice when you see misfortune coming to somebody, you know, who deserves it because if I see you laughing, I'll stop that on their life. You got it? I mean, we've caused a lot of people we don't like to be blessed because we enjoyed their misfortune too much. It's a thought. You know how your carnal side do you? You've been waiting for them to. Yeah, they've been they been rubbing me the wrong way for every time I they come to me. They they saying stuff that ain't don't sound right. They tone is bad. And they don't even. You shouldn't wait. You you shouldn't do that. You can't wait for people to get what you think they've got coming to them. Huh? Because your day comes too. Mm-hmm. The judges always get it worse. I mean some people can can just really love God and just be mess ups, yeah. you know they just mess up from eight o'clock in the morning till twelve o'clock at night can't do nothing right and then the Pharisees yeah. <laughs> rum well Lord, I thank you that I am not a sinner like that person i do everything right. and I pray 10 hours a day and I fast and I give my tithes and my offerings and blah, 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 blah. And then you don't have a job. Working for somebody for 50 years and they fire you. Huh? Yeah. Judgment has its day, folks. The judges get it too. Huh? And then the little cut up is the one that will pray for you. You know why? Because they got experience in getting bailed out. Oh, that's that all? Oh, that happened to me four times, girl. We get your job back. I know how to do it. <laughs> God, please. <laughs> God, please. And pretty soon both of y'all working. See, there's a ministry for the cut up, too. Huh? It's the truth. <laughs> So the devil will make you think when you walk in love, he's just a doormat. You're just taking crap off of him, and, you know. And then, then people who think they're the forgiving ones all the time. Well, I decided to be the bigger person. Does it hurt you so much to obey God's word? Huh? That should be an automatic thing to forgive people. My goodness, look at what we've been forgiven of. If anybody took crap, it was Jesus. He bore it all. The only thing you're doing is pardoning people like you've been pardoned. You're only giving back what you've been given. When you walk in love. So, Jesus took it all, so we, we don't have to bear that, and we can enjoy part, partaking of His strength. Huh? It's you bypass. All of the difficulty and all of the trouble. And you can partake of the strength of God when you forgive. You just go to God and say, God, you know, I don't know why that person jumped on me like that. But you know what? I forgive them. Huh? I don't have a clue. But I forgive that person. Amen? If you could be in that person's brain for five minutes, you you wonder why they even still in their skin. You got me? (laughs) The pressure they're under not that they can't get out of it but everybody's got to do their you know we all get there we're all working on something so you have to remember that love will make you understand those things love will help us to be listeners as well as talkers Amen. listen and, and be polite with people sometimes they keep rambling on and on about the same thing but love will cause you to be patient in that huh? and kind at the same time Speaking the truth in love is the desire of one's heart to enlighten, counsel, and aid with their words. So when the Bible says that you speak the truth in love, your motive has to be to enlighten someone, to counsel, to aid, or assist them. In other words, you're there to be a help to elevate them, not to judge and put them down. Sometimes as Christians, we look for faults. Remember the old religious churches we came from? They scrutinized people walking in. If you didn't dress, they rolled their eyes. Didn't sit. It took months for somebody to speak to you, huh? And when they did, you were sorry for what that they said. Hey, you could have saved that, huh? I mean, come on now. I've been thinking I've been at a disadvantage because y'all wouldn't talk to me. I was doing very much better. Huh? We're to rejoice in the truth. If somebody gets blessed, get happy. Amen. Because you can partake of that if you're happy when they're blessed. Don't ever be jealous of what somebody has. You go get your own. Huh? Love then is not an emotion. And it's able to put aside feelings, plans, and desires to lift up somebody else. You see, is oftentimes you'd say, well, uh, you know, if I don't get some money here this week, I don't know what I'm going to do. And you go in church and then it, it has to be about somebody else. You, it's been about you all week. And you get around the saints and then it, you got to drop that and it's got to be about somebody else. You thought you were going to come in and get all the help. And so love is able to do that. We're able to lift up one another or lift up another. This is a very important ministry for the church. Very important. Love is our motive in all things. It cannot be self. It's got to be love. That's why you see a lot of ministers, when they get a lot of money and stuff, they fall. Because love ceases to be the motive there. If they can keep it to where they're reaching out and all that, that's why a lot of them, as a security, will take on um, giving projects like uh, battered wives homes and opening up homes and stuff like that if they can find faithful people to manage them they'll take their resources and pump into it so that they can always have a hand in giving and let love be a motive in everything because see that money can get you comfortable and you can make up your mind I'm only going to do so many meetings a year and I can coast till Jesus comes and so then, and yeah, and you start lifting up yourself and love isn't your motive anymore. And so if you can continue to be open to ideas, and trust me, God will send ideas to ministers to keep them honest with His money. Cause He knows people. And He knows the temptation of the enemy to pull us away from the love motive in everything that we do. So this is an important ministry prerequisite. Love is the force we yield to that God freely provides to help us accurately represent Christ. Whenever you esteem one, a person more highly than yourself, you are accurately representing Christ. Accurately. Love as a motive allows us to believe the best about everybody. Huh? I know in spite of what you see. I feel there's a lot more potential in all of us than what we've seen out of one another, even the best of us. Amen? Because I know what God's put inside of each and every one. See, I've got more confidence in that seed of God's love in you than I do in anything that's temporary that you're going through that maybe that seed doesn't manifest as much as it needs to. And who am I to judge on your situation? Got me? And so we have to understand that that love, it, it allows us to let one another grow. It's a nurturing force. Very powerful spiritual force that allows us to let one another grow. Then we are able to pray and expect those prayers to change other people because we know that we've been changed. See, if God's love has changed you, then you know it's power to change others. Huh? So you should should never get discouraged believing God to reconcile a, a marriage or a family that's split apart. Yeah, because his love will change that. I, the love was a missing ingredient. His love. I'm not talking about that stuff we think we're And You know, I've, I'm in blue. Oh, it's heavy now, it's deep oh I can't do nothing unless I call him, think about him. You're talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> Next week you say, so, Him? Oh no, we split up uh you know, we we ain't seeing each other no more. <laughs> Last week you couldn't move, you couldn't think of nothing else but him. Now he's, y'all are split up, you know. I ain't talking about that that thing, whatever that is. But I'm talking about the love of God. The pure love of God that He's deposited in each and every one of us. See, if you let that prevail, you'll be you'll suffer long with people and be kind to them, huh? At the same time, you don't just put up with, and and you know it, that's just so feeble, you know. You're not putting up with nothing because you're mad at them. See, you you suffer long and are kind. That's how you raise quality children, huh? If you can suffer long with your children and still be kind to them, that deposit will cause them to grow, prosper, and flourish. See? Amen. Now I know most of y'all think back and you say, Mm, I don't think I ever done that." God helped you anyway, didn't He? He love covers a multitude. A sin. See, sometimes your kids never got wind of how, just how mad you were at them. Amen. Because God's love covers that. And it heals and protects. Amen. When we see ourselves in others, then we're able to love our, our neighbor as ourselves Just see him just like you see yourself. Not evil and wicked and mean and nasty and all of that. But just see him like you see yourself. Evil, wicked, (laughs) oh it's a joke, wake up. Y'all didn't go to sleep on me, I wouldn't have to do that. But we are all brothers and sisters who have the same creator. Now we don't all worship the same God, God wants that. and, And we can win them over with his love. But we have the same struggles and we have the same need of the same God. So when we decide to love, we give God permission to work. He has no permission to work outside of love. Amen. So when love is the motive of your heart, you want to lift that person up higher than you. Now that's hard for some people because oftentimes when we think of that person as the problem is because they seem to want to dominate everything. You understand me? It's hard to elevate somebody you really want to go choke. Because they're a problem to you in your life, you got me, and so these are the things that that we struggle against, but if you will just let the love prevail, just relax your your resistance to what god's doing and god i'm I'm struggling this with this because I don't think this person deserves my time they don't you understand what I'm saying you got to get out of that and and you know I, I know there are people that think that Everybody's being taken advantage of by somebody, but that's a lie. You got me? That, that's really a lie. God has to have somebody to make a bridge so that he can take, he can walk over and meet that person. And that's where the believer is. So situations arise that'll challenge our resolve to be motivated by love. We get surprise attacks from the devil. Man, you want to cuss somebody, you want to slap somebody. But you can let the love of God prevail. You can, can let it just override because it's there. And it's possible to let that override any emotion that would try and keep you from operating in love. Sometimes there are what we call watershed situations. There are some people that are in your life and they seem to always rub you the wrong way. They don't change. You want them to change. Why has everybody else got to do all the changing? Why can't you change? Huh? And so, you know, you, you have to understand these are important lessons to learn. Very important lessons. I remember when I was, how much time I got, little Howard? About 10 minutes? How many exactly? 12. See, I knew you knew it. Praise the Lord. He was going to short me my two minutes. So I get to torture them a little extra. You understand what I'm saying? This is important for me. No. <laughs> but I was reminded when I was talking about this, I told the Lord, I said, He said, you know, He said, a lot of times the church goes off balance. He says, But if you will bring them back to the foundation of love, He said, it's amazing how quickly things come back into focus, into balance again, because that is my central message. God so loved the world. That's how we need to start out, you know, witnessing the people. God loves you. He loves the world. He died for you, you know. I don't need anybody to die. Well, sure. We all do. He died for me. I love you. You, you understand what I'm saying? And so when when he was talking to me about it, I was thinking back about um, when I first got involved. In, in the church and spirit-filled ministry and that kind of thing. And I had been housebound for a number of years because of a nervous breakdown. And my husband had wanted a divorce and that's what started my mental decline. And so I blamed him for the fact that I had a nervous breakdown. Blamed him. Now, it's possible that his actions were responsible. But the blame was a choice. You got me? So if I'm responsible, say I step on Ricky's foot, I'm responsible for that. But if he goes around for 30 years telling people how mad he is at me because of that, somebody might think he's a little deranged. You got me? You understand? And that's the way God sees it with any offense that we incur that you're a little bit deranged if you keep making that bigger in light of what I've done to get you free from that. See, God's given the life of his son to get us free from that. And not only that, but he has given us his love to be shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. If you just let the Holy Spirit free. You don't have to put up a lot of effort to do anything for anybody. Just quit bottling it up. And so when I would get, I was in a Women's Glow Ministry. I'll never forget it. And uh, it, w- it did so much for me in getting me to understand many things that I had questions about in God. And so when I would be at the meeting sometimes, I would talk to the ladies. And they, you know, everybody wanted to know, well, is your family saved? You know, it's. Pharisee crap but that's how you roll when, you, when you're when new and, uh, and they're just chatting they just want to get to know you and that kind of stuff so Christians always feel it's fair game to find out you know how long you've been saved you want to know your testimony and you know you could keep people entertained a long time off what went you know and they look at me and <laughs> okay <laughs> oh I'm not finished yet okay <laughs> But I would notice that when I would make a comment about my husband, I would get rebuked by them when they said, Oh no, you got to love him. And I'd say, Well what are they talking about? I say, I love that old <laughs> Wash my mouth out with soap. Huh? They were detecting something that I wasn't aware was there. We talk about that, about one of the <clears throat> ministries of the body of Christ to one another is to unwrap grave clothes, get you free from your past life. As you interact with the saints and they minister by the Holy Spirit, you get free from things that bind you, from your past, huh? which should be forgiven, but a lot of times it's not all gone. And I would make little snide remarks about him. and says, oh, you've got to love your husband. Well, I said, I love him. Still with him. I ain't shot him. He deserved to be dead. Do you know what that man did to me? Huh? I never got a chance to get into all the details. The love restrained me. Huh? But I began to talk to God about it. I uh, see. I could have got offended, gone home. Hmm? You know, the only black person there. Your mind immediately—they don't like black people, huh? So you can kick that under the rug and lump that with all the other stuff you'd have put up under there. You might as well throw that in there too. But for some reason, I didn't feel that it was coming from a wrong place in them. See, in all honesty, if you're honest with yourself, when God starts, the Bible says, when the righteous smite me, it's a kindness. You got me? When righteous people take the time to minister the truth and love to you, their motive was not to let me mess up my husband's salvation because I seemed like I was really wanting God and, you know, they're going to help me with this. But they knew that was a problem. See, they knew it was a problem. And so when I would speak to God about it, he would start to tell me things like, he said, you know what? He said, I'm going to help your marriage. He said, I'm I'm there to help everybody's marriage. And I'm going to make your relationship and I'm going to save your husband. He said, but you can either help me or you can stand in the way of it. He said, if you help me, it will go better for you and for him. He said, but I'm going to save him anyway. He's going to get saved because God saved me.
1: And he comes for the
0: whole household. He says, now you can help me and it will be a blessing to you and you can participate in my joy. Or you can continue the way you're going. He said, but I'm going to save him anyway. You can be, you can benefit from it or you don't have to. You got me? So I decided since I'd missed so much, I wasn't missing this. And I had to learn how to quit blaming him in my mind for what I really felt he was responsible for. And then the Lord began to show me our family history. And when I began to study warfare, he began to give me understanding about curses that run through bloodlines and families. He said, Really? He said the devil was going to drive you crazy one way or the other. It just, the brother was right there and he was a one participant, you felon, you. Yeah. Ricky, you look a lot like him sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Huh? Huh? Criminal, Hitler, Nazi, you know, all of that. But I decided that I was going to let love prevail and not short it out by letting my mind hang on to what we had gone through and all of that stuff and holding on. And and it began to be a challenge for me when you had to do things by love. Because I was accustomed to being obedient as a kid. I was a kid that didn't want no trouble out of mama. Oh, girl, you, I'd do anything. And so I learned how to be obedient, but my heart wasn't in it. And that's true for most people who aren't saved. You can obey and you can do things right, but if your heart's not in it, you haven't pleased God. And so I knew how to keep a clean house. God had told me the things. He said, notice the things that make him comfortable. So I can mess them up, God. Please tell me I don't have to do them. No, he said, and do those things first. Huh? It'll break you, folks. Because God will watch you do it in hatred, in bitterness, in anger, and resentment. For a long time and he'll make you keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it until you realize if I'd learned to enjoy this, it would be so much easier on me. And once you realize that the forgiveness is helping you and you let love prevail, then love will start to come into things. Because for the longest time, I couldn't realize why my husband didn't seem to appreciate But when I started to let love prevail, then it carried a different message to him and the appreciation came. You got me? It came. And so if you don't let love prevail, things, situations will never get any better. They won't change. You can do things. You can do all the right things. Just like a lot of people go to church and they do this, they give, and they do all of these things right down the letter. But if your heart's not in it, God doesn't receive it. You won't do it for very long. Joyce Meyer had that experience. She said she was, you know, doing everything to, to get her ministry off the ground. She was in a church and, you know, she was a helper in the church and in leadership in the church. And she said one day her pastor told her, Joyce, you do all the right things, but I wonder if your heart's really in it. And she was offended. She was insulted. But she was smart enough by this time to go to God with this. See, we'll do this. You go to God with everything that offends you. Don't look for him to tell you you're right all the time. But just let him tell you whatever he wants to tell you. You got me? And God will begin to enlighten you and show you how you're squeezing his heart out of you. And not letting his love rise up in you so that it, number one, can nurture you. And then it can nurture everything and everybody around you. Well, I struggled with with this for ten years after I was saved. My husband finally got saved. You know why? I quit blaming, consciously blaming him and and carrying around a grudge and and just wanting him to, to suffer like I suffered. And you go through some of what you put me through. See how you like it. huh? And so God showed me one day. He said, you know what? He said, if he could take back what he said to you, he would. And I said, how do you know that? And he said, because he's told me so many times. See, a lot of times God doesn't share things with us because you can't take it. You got me? You just have to take things by faith and go ahead and you do the right thing. Let God change your heart. Let that love well up inside of you the way God wants it to. Let it nurture because it's not your love. You didn't pay nothing for it. It came to you free. At a time when you were at your worst, God gave you his best and confirmed to you that you were worthwhile and you thought you were nothing. And he lets you know of a certainty that he valued you and you're a person of value. And he expects us, yes, demands us to make that apparent and, and available to everybody. We're to let the love of God prevail, even if you don't think they deserve it. There were many times when I wanted to bring things up. You know, I mean, it was all said. It was like, boom, boom, boom. Huh? And I'm like this because you did so and so and so to me. Huh? I mean, I passed up a lot of them. Good ones, too. <laughs> Could have had me calling nine one one and had the brother arrested if I was you know, so. huh? But I decided to let love prevail, just to see where it was going to take me. Sometimes, not having confidence in where I was going, is this going to work? Is this mar- are, are we going to stay together? If I'm not going to stay together, why am I wasting my time with him? God, you got me. But I decided to let love prevail by faith just to see where it was gonna take me. You got me? And I found this out. That as Christians, we don't have time to mess around with screwy thinking like that. You understand what I'm saying? Because I wish he could have had more years on this earth. You don't know how long somebody's gonna live. Now you might be believing God and doing your confession and everything you know to do. But you don't know. You're believing God. You're going in faith on these things. You don't know the condition they'll be in when they finally repent and release their sins so that God can save them. You understand what I'm saying? So you have just enough time to quit screwing around and let love prevail so that God can use you to do what he wants to do on this earth. You don't have a lot. My husband didn't have a lot of years like we have to go to conferences and worship and all that. He was always holding back because he was never sure he was forgiven. You understand me? You don't want somebody to live with the burden of your sickness on them. You want them to be free. You want them to know you love them and forgive them. You don't want people hanging that hanging over. You don't want it hanging over your own head. But there are times we make mistakes that are hard to repair. And you've got to have a confidence in God that he's doing the repair work for you. You don't have to fix up everything yourself. So if you let love prevail, then love will show you that there is a place in God where forgiveness comes and love is genuine when it comes from that person that you've wronged or that you've hurt. Or that they've hurt you or whatever it is you think that can't be repaired. God has to show you that his love is is a a restorer of the breach it was broken so many years ago God and then somehow it seems like you pick up where you left off and you didn't miss a beat and it's been years since then and so God has to show us these things folks but we won't get there if we don't let love prevail if you don't have it as a motive in your heart it's you're going to let that other person feel good about themselves at your expense if your influence on them has taken them down in value, you've got to ask God to help that. You you can't let people continue to cling to you if they're not they're not 100% because of your interaction with them. You understand me? You know, young people, y'all got to be careful. You know, you 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 hook up with people and and you don't want to uh-huh, I don't want to reject them. You let them go to God. You let God have them. You know, I see a lot of times, you know, young kids, they follow each other to church, and, and they want to get to know each other, and, and the relationship is shaky at best. You know, usually when when young boys bring girls to church, they want everybody to know, this is, this is my girlfriend, is they're trying to clean up something that they know is wrong. You could put another CD in there for all I care. I'm not thinking about y'all. But you're not doing that person a favor. When did you get? When did God die and you take His place? You don't clean people up, and you don't string them along. And no, you don't want to get married. They ain't the one. You ain't close enough. Just leave them alone. Just leave them alone. They don't belong to you. They belong to God. You have to learn how to release people so they can get to know God. The reason they don't know God well enough is you always in the way. Oh, hindering spirit. Huh? you got to understand these things. See, that's esteeming that person more highly. God, I started out wrong with this person. I made them think I thought more about them than I really do just to get in their draws. Okay, I said it in church. And I'm going to quit stringing them along and holding on to them. I'm going to let you have them. What I should have done. That got everybody quiet. Let me take a drink of water. You need to cut this stuff out. Because it leads to to bad quality marriages. Next thing you know, you're up in front of me trying to jump the broom. Huh? It's the truth. It leads to poor quality marriages. Huh? I wish I had been saved before I got married. Huh? Huh? I would have had a lot of help for the ministry. I had to struggle a lot and find a lot of things myself with with hindrance instead of help. Yeah. See, if you're saved now, you've got an opportunity to have a helper, a real helper, come into your life if you'll let God bring the right person to you and you get your hands off everything. Yeah. Huh? You know why people are so insecure? ain't nothing but a bunch of enablers. Yeah. You know, you get off drugs and get on people. You know, get off of that and get on God. Let the love of God prevail. Because if you esteem that person more highly than yourself, you quit knocking boots with them. And you're not married to them and ain't intending to marry them. Nothing but a security blanket. Am I done? How many minutes? How many I got? Uh huh. Oh, you did put a second tape in? Shame on you. Huh? that's not love that's not the love of God love of God doesn't manipulate people huh yeah the love of God is not looking to let somebody down easy that might take 20 years (laughs) they've been dropped a long time ago you don't want them to know it that's just mean that ain't nice, huh? Ain't nice. We got to stop doing things the world's way. Yes. You know, the guys you want to go in somebody with. I gotta get my babe. Understand? Up a minute, Chuck. It's this is what. Get my babe to go in with me. We just going into the club, but going where? You know, y'all got to stop that. Yes. Yes. You know, if you ain't married to her. You know, we had somebody to come and do work for us at the meeting. Everything was fine, but he couldn't come to the meeting without his babe. Around Christian people, hugged on her, nobody got a ring on nowhere. You think we're going to do business with him again? No way. No way. I don't play that stuff. I don't care what you feel like you bring to the table, but you ain't playing ball with me. No way, Jose. You lost it already. If you don't respect God enough to keep your hands off a woman you're not married to, you got me, then you don't do work for me. I'm just real sorry. I'm real sorry. But we don't play those games. Because, see, I'd rather see him get saved for real And her quit being a groupie than to receive whatever kind of service they feel they're giving to the body of Christ. Because it's got the devil's taint on it already. You understand what I'm saying? So we don't play that kind of stuff. So in closing, (laughs) praise God. It's not love, folks. It's not even love in the world because worldly people get sick of it homosexuals want to get married because they're tired of being used by each other. They think by calling it a marriage it will add some meaning to it and they won't feel abused and abandoned or, or you know, they, they don't want to be left alone anymore. Amen? And so if we will allow God to help us to let His love do what it's sent in the world to do. It's not sent to be bottled up by angry Christians and un- unforgiving Christians. Christians who, you know, want to pretend to be Christians and fall down, get up, do, yeah, you know, all that crazy stuff. It's really for believers who want to obey, who understand what they have in them. It's of great value. It's the love of God. It's not your anointing. It's not your gifts and your prophecies. But it's the love of God. Amen? Alright, why don't we stop? Father in Heaven, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Blessing us. With your holy word. And we thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God.